to start uh, today with a few remarks, and then I want to move into a, a, a prayer. The, the series over, over this uh, fall um, that I'm going to offer is thinking about conversion. And conversion is an incredibly central part of the Bible. We know from the stories of when Jesus speaks to Matthew or the stories of the parables where the blind literally can see, we find that uh, conversion, this moment of revelation, this moment of transformation, this moment of change, is crucial to our Christian story. But conversions are complicated things. One can ask, you know, what, what is the nature of that conversion? What actually happens to us? What happens to the people who talk about their conversion? What are they converted from and what are they converted to? That's something I want us to think about in the next few weeks by looking at examples of some people who have undergone really profound conversion experiences. We're going to start today with a major uh, figure of the early church, St. Augustine, and we're going to go through, we'll look at Luther, we'll look at John Bunyan, we'll look at some extraordinary female writers who are from the Puritan uh, times, and then we're going to come up to uh, C.S. Lewis at the end. All of these people found it incredibly central to their faith journey to talk about their conversion, that moment of transformation. In a sense, the moment of when they became who they are, who they were as Christians. And they do it in remarkably different ways, but I think we'll also find themes. We'll find certain ways in which Scripture shapes the language that they use, shapes the images that they use, shapes the experiences. So we'll see with, with Augustine here today a very clear sense that it is a story of a person who finds in the words of the psalmist his transformation from a person who fights God to a person who ultimately accepts God. So we're going to talk about conversion stories. So it's very much a series where we talk about stories. A few years ago, I had a wonderful opportunity to teach a course which was called Spiritual Autobiography. And this was a chance with students to read stories that people wrote about themselves. It was about writing about ourselves. And we looked from examples from ancient Christianity through to very modern stories, to a whole range of different uh, characters, men and women, younger and older. And I'm quite fascinated by this. This is something I want to, to share with you. I'm quite fascinated with the way in which people tell their stories. So I want to start today with a, a prayer which comes from the book that we're going to be talking about, which is the Confessions of Augustine, St. Augustine. But in Book 10, this is after he's told the story of his conversion, he has a prayer that I'd like to share, to share with you. So let us just pray for, to open our session together. Late I have loved thee, O Lord, and behold, thou wast within and I without, and there I sought thee. Thou wast with me when I was not with thee. Thou didst call and cry 
and burst my defenses. Thou didst lean and glow and dispel my blindness. Thou didst touch me, and I burned for thy feet. For thyself thou hast made us, and rested our hearts until indeed they find their ease. Late I have loved thee, thou beauty ever old and ever new. Thou hast burst my bonds asunder. Unto thee I will offer up an offering of praise. Amen. This passage, which comes in book 10 of 12 books of Augustine's confession, which he wrote after his conversion experience, this passage tells in a way this, this, this prayer tells the story of Augustine's journey. As we were just talking about before we began, he had a Christian mother, Monica, whose deepest hope was that he would become a Christian. She sought to raise him that way. She constantly prayed for him. His father was not a Christian and actually doesn't figure in the story very much. But the story of Monica, this, this person of profound and deep faith to whom Augustine, as a son, is deeply devoted, but he can't find his way to Christ. He can't find his way, but he searches for it. And that's what the prayer tells me, that from the beginning he searched for God, but he couldn't find it. He couldn't find God. He, couldn't, he could not find the peace. And this is something that we'll see in a lot of the conversion stories, this, this longing for peace, for rest, for comfort, and a kind of yearning and a kind of restlessness. We'll see this next week when we talk about Luther. Luther talks about fighting with God, struggling, this sense of, it's like a, almost like a wrestling match, and this sense of resisting, knowing what he wants, but resisting it. This is very central to the story um, of, of Augustine. So a little bit about the person we're going to talk about. I'll just stand to the side there. I don't know if you can see it in these lights. But we're talking about somebody who lived in the fourth, uh, in, the, in, in, the story, in the fourth and early fifth centuries. He's born in 354 in North Africa. We often think of Augustine because he was so important for the Western church. We forget that he wasn't a European. He was an African, and he actually says in his story, the Confessions, at one point, people laugh at him because of his African accent. He was born in what is today Algeria, uh, but was then Christian North Africa. He was born to, as I already said, a father who was not a Christian, but a mother who was deeply Christian. And he was born in a very divided Roman world, a world that was still very much both pagan and Christian, and that's very much his story, growing up between these two worlds. To make a, a long story short, he's an extraordinarily talented young person, a, a, a remarkable student who quickly learns the languages of, of Latin in the, most, in the best classical tradition, and he wants to be, he admires the great Roman orator Cicero, he wants to be that, and eventually he does become a teacher, a rhetorician, a person who practices the art of speaking well, and he does so publicly. He gives orations, the most beautiful, and, and indeed, 
if you've had the chance to read him, you know he's a beautiful writer, extraordinarily beautiful. He's gifted with words. But from an early stage, he remarks that he has a spiritual yearning, and that will take him on a long journey. It's a journey that will take him through various different stages. And very briefly, at one point he's drawn to what are called the Manichaeans, the followers of a man named Manu. And the Manichaeans have this strong sense of good and evil as polar opposites. That the world is made up of good and evil. And therefore, the role of the human is to reject evil which are seen as in a constant battle. And so therefore, you must reject everything of the flesh. You must reject everything material. It is this strong kind of asceticism of rejecting material things and all that surrounds you. And Augustine is very attracted to this because he sees in it a kind of spiritual rigor that he wants. This is what he believes he's yearning for. But then he becomes, after about 10 years of this, he becomes dissatisfied. He doesn't, he doesn't see, he sees himself in this kind of battle between good and evil of not being able to find God and not being able to find Christ. It doesn't make any sense to him. Then he moves into the study of philosophy, and in particular, the study of Plato and the, the Platonic tradition. And that teaches him more of a sense of a transcendent God, a God who is the creator of the world and who is more accessible God than this, this God of, of a kind of good and evil, absolute difference. So this brings, so he goes on his journey, and his journey takes him to North Africa and to the city of Carthage, uh, the great city of Carthage in North Africa, but he's also in Rome, and then he goes to the Italian city of Milan. And when he comes to Milan, by that point, he's lost faith in that old Manichaeism that I talked about. He's embraced the study of philosophy, but he's also, as his job, he's a professional rhetorician, a professional speechmaker. But what makes him very uncomfortable about this is that this classical idea of rhetoric, which he's a practitioner of, means that you can, you can argue this or you can argue that, whichever way you're being paid to, to do it. So you are, you are not, there's no concern with the truth, it's simply being the most persuasive that you can be. And so you could argue one side of, an ar of, of a position, but then you could argue another one. And Augustine becomes, and Augustine's very good at this, he's very much in demand, but he says, he realizes that there's no truth in it. And it's at this moment, when he's in the city of Milan with his friends, that he has this experience of going to the sermons of a bishop, bishop uh, <coughs> uh, who, who uh, is so that he begins the process, the, the bishop's name is Ambrose, and he hears Ambrose's sermon, and this great stirring for Christ begins in him. But he doesn't know how to find Christ, but he, when he hears Ambrose preaching, he says, this is what I want. And that's what takes us to the beginning 
of the story that I want to tell today. That is the story of his actual conversion. So although the story I'm going, we're going to look at today happens quite quickly, it's also part of a journey that has been his life. And that journey has had many sadnesses. When he's a young man, he has a relationship with a woman with whom he remains for many years, but they never marry. And he has a son. And he loves his son. But his son dies very young, dies as a teenager. But he stays with this woman until he believes that as a Christian, he, won't, he must leave her. And this has always been one of the problematic parts of uh, Augustine's story, that he had to, that he, that he leaves behind this woman with whom he was with for many years, and he claimed that he always loved. So the story has, has very human complications to it, but it's a long story, but it comes to a head in, this, in, the, in, in what's called book eight of the Confessions. The Confessions, um, Confessions, many of you have, may have had a chance to read it. It is a beautiful book that Augustine wrote about 13 years after his actual conversion. So he's converted as a man in his early 30s, around the age of 32, in 386. And he's then baptized the following year. But almost immediately, in the beginning of the 390s, so he's only been a Christian, for about four or five years, he becomes a priest. He's almost forced to become a priest. And then he returns to his native North Africa to become a bishop. And this is around the year sort of 390. So he's only been a Christian for less than a 10 years, and he's already become a bishop. But it's at this point, but there are people who have heard about his life and say, what I hear about you has not been the most moral, upright story. And there was a great deal of concern in the church that perhaps he had a past which was shameful, that perhaps he wasn't a true Christian. This was a big debate in the North African church. Who are the true Christians? And Augustine's past was such that people were suspicious that he actually had become a Christian. So he writes this book, the Confessions, right at the end of the 4th century, so right at the end of the 390s. And it's a book that tries to do various things. It is a spiritual autobiography, but it's not just the facts of his life. There are a lot of things about his life in it, but it's not just meant to be a uh, biography or autobiography that we're used to which sort of sets out in detail. He does give the details of his life, but there's actually a more significant purpose to this book. And that is, it's essentially a prayer to God. And if you've had a chance to look at it at any point, he it's full of scripture, in particular the Psalms. He's writing it almost like the psalmist. He's praying to God. He's offering up his life story as a prayer to God. This is a kind of directly addressed to God you, when you read through it. It's not addressed to the reader. We as the readers are allowed to witness this prayer. We can hear it. We hear Augustine as prayer in this book, but the book is addressed to God. 
God. It is, it is one long poetic meditation in which he makes, he tells the story of his life in terms of his conversion, but also the way in which he comes into God. So it's, it's, it's at one level a deeply personal, deeply healing story. He doesn't hold back on his flaws and his mistakes. But ultimately, the story is not about him as a person. It is about reconciliation. It's about God. God is really the agent in the story. He's calling Augustine all the way through. He's calling him. And, uh, and when we come to the, the conversion story, we, we see that. Literally, he's converted by hearing a voice. And so this sense that he's, that he's kind of resisted at stages. He's, he's erred. He's gone the wrong way. He's done the wrong thing, but God never lets go of that. He's constantly being summoned. And even though at many points Augustine says, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't. I fought against it. But he never stopped calling me. And that's something of, of the uh, passage that, that uh, in that prayer that we, we opened with. So what happens? Augustine tells this story seven chapters of the book where he ends up in Italy. He's a professional rhetorician, a professional speaker. He's good at it. He's highly successful. Uh, he's in demand, but it's completely unfulfilling for him because he says, what I'm doing has nothing to do with the truth. It's only about me being cleverer than the other person. So what he having heard the sermons of Ambrose, he is persuaded that the path forward is Christianity, but he still hasn't been converted. He knows this is a major part of Augustine's story, and perhaps something we can talk about from our own experiences. He feels like he knows the truth, but his heart has not yet been converted to it. He talks in, in the story about having two wills. One will to be with God and one is his own will which seeks his own advantage and satisfaction. He says he's so deeply attached to the comforts of this world but at the same time he longs for God and he talks about this constant struggle between the two. And that's where he's at at the beginning of book eight. The eighth book of the Confessions is the story of his conversion. And I want to just share with you uh, just for us to kind of, in a, in just in a few minutes, to walk through the story because it's, I think it's incredibly um, moving. By the time he starts his account of the book, he's in complete turmoil. He's in terrible spiritual, emotional distress. But he says, but in my temporal life, everything was in a state of uncertainty. And my heart needed to be purified from the old leaven. He constantly, the whole book is framed in terms of, of um, biblical language. When you read through it, it's just, he weaves biblical passages or references to the Bible through the whole of the story. Remember, he's writing this 13 years after his conversion. So he sees his whole story through the lens of the Bible. 
says, this is where he talks about, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't like his job, but he doesn't know what to do. My secular activity I held in disgust. And now that I was not burning with my old ambitions in hope of honor and money, it was burdensome to me to tolerate so heavy a servitude. Then he has the book, book eight is about careful conversions before he gets to his home. The first conversion is a man, a very distinguished elderly man, a great powerful figure in society, one of the great orators, speakers of his age, a man named Victorinus. And Victorinus was someone Augustine had wanted to be. He's like, imagine in our own lives, who is the person who kind of made it in the way that you want to make it? Or, you know, for me, you know, who was the, the academic or the person in the church? I think I really want to be, I wanted to, that person was a role model for me. They're sort of everything I aspire to be. And that's the way Augustine looked at this figure of Victorinus. And Victorinus had an incredibly uh, elevated place in society. And then he said, he, Augustine says, that he actually converts to Christianity. This Victorinus had been a great supporter of the, the pagan religion. He'd done all the, the appropriate rituals, had been a leader of society. But then he'd become a Christian. And as a Christian, he had tried to, this Victorine figure, had tried to reconcile his role in society with the new faith. And there's a wonderful uh, 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 story in here where Victorinus, Augustine tells the story, where Victorinus says to a Christian friend of his, he says, did you know that I am already a Christian? And this friend is surprised. He says, you're a Christian. He says, but I, I don't see it. I don't, you, you, are, you are still doing your, your public duties. You're still a man of great stature in the community. You seem to be still you know, at, with the, uh, the old rites. But then Victorine says, no, I've become a Christian. And this person says to him again, well, I don't see it. I don't see you in church. And Victorinus says, well, walls don't make a church. He says, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And then there's this long conversation you know, with, this, with this Christian person where Victorinus is then persuaded that if he's going to be a Christian, he has to actually act like that in public. He has to profess his faith publicly. This is a big moment for Augustine because he realizes it, that being a Christian can't just be an internal thing. Your life has to show it. And so Victorinus is persu finally persuaded by uh, this person that he must profess his faith publicly. And that means he must be baptized. And so Victorinus has this wonderful line where after the conversation with his friend, he says, let us go to church I want to become a Christian. So he, whereas before he'd said he'd been a Christian in name, now he really wants to. And there's this very moving passage where this eminent figure in the community is very publicly baptized and professes the faith. So this story at the early part of chapter 8 has a huge impression on Augustine because the person he most admired had gone from being a kind of secret Christian to being the most public and had, had not 
been afraid to profess his faith in a community where very few people were, were Christians yet. So for Augustine, this is, this is a huge moment for him. And then he reflects on the story of Saul, who's of course become Paul. So the story of, of conversion are very much part of Augustine's own story. He, this book eight, where he talks about his own conversion, uh, is, is first where he talks about the conversion of Victorinus. He talks about the conversion of uh, Saul. But then he, but he's still, he's still fighting for this. He says, I tried after such freedom, but was bound not by an iron imposed by anyone else, but by the iron of my own choice. The enemy had a grip on my will and so made it a chain for me to hold me a prisoner. And that's where he talks about his, he says, I have these two wills. I want to follow God. He's seen the example of these other people, but yet he can't do it. I'll move along for, for the sake of time so we can, we, can, we can talk about this. But he then describes a story in his life uh, where he, his friend, Ponticianus, who was a Christian, comes to his house. And Augustine is there with his own former student and good friend, Olypius. Both Augustine and Olypius have not yet become Christians, but are deeply uh, desiring of becoming Christians, but they haven't been able to make, to take the step. And the crucial story comes when this man, Ponticianus, this Christian friend, comes to his house, and he sees that Augustine has been reading the letter to Paul. And Augustine's a bit embarrassed that he sees this book, that his friend sees this book. He says, oh, I've been kind of caught out reading these letters. So he's still not prepared to admit in public, but he's in private, he's studying. And then Ponticianus tells him a story, which I won't really go into, but he tells a story of two men who were converted to Christ by hearing the story of St. Anthony in the desert in Egypt. Anthony is this, this figure who went out in the desert and, and, and lived there and was attacked by demons and he was a Egyptian nobleman who becomes a kind of saint of the church, and his life was a very popular book. And so the, he tells the story of how these young men were converted to Christianity by hearing of the spiritual struggles of Anthony. And this wins over Augustine, who's, 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 who's deeply attracted to this story, but he's still suffering from a lack of certainty. He says, the moment when I would desire worldly ambition and follow you was that I had not seen any certainty which to direct my course. He's still lacking that, cer uh, uh, the, that certainty. But while he's in this great tumult, he goes out into the garden with his friend Olypius. And there they rage together and he says, why is it that, that, that the poor people, the people of the streets are professing Christ? And here I am, the most educated of people, and I'm still holding back. I won't do it. 
What's holding me back? Here with all my education and all my learning and all my success, why can't I see the truth that even the simplest people uh, have embraced? And so he goes out into his gar this garden and he's in a state of turmoil. Incredibly moving passages of this where he's in just this, he's, he's distraught. He talks about how, I'm sorry, I'm not a good example of this, but he's pulling his hair. He's ripping, he's tearing at his skin. He says physically, he couldn't control himself. He's in such a state of, 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 of tor torment, really, is the right word for it. And then the story, which I'm sure many of you have, have heard, he throws himself under a, a fig tree, and he experience, he's sitting there, and he hears the voice of a child. And the child says, take and read, take and read, tole lege in Latin. And it's, it's, a, it's an invisible voice. He doesn't, he thinks it comes from next door. He's not sure where it comes from. He never sees the person, the child who sings it. But it, he's reminded of a passage in the story of St. Anthony, who then went and looked in the Bible, opened the Bible, and there he opened, he runs in, he opens the Bible, and he opens it to a passage in Romans 13, where it says, it's not by worldly goods, it's not by the lusts of the world, it is not by any of these things, but by Christ alone. And at that moment, he talks about all his anxieties, and he says, and in my case, as I deliberated about serving my Lord, I had long disposed to do the self which willed to serve, which identified with God. He talks about this whole story, and Alypius comes out and, go and goes back and sees Alypius, his friend, and Alypius is similarly converted. And the two of them are suddenly, it's like the clouds have separated, that, that battle of the two wills has come to an end. Augustine believes that Christ had spoken to him through the voice of this child, this child he never saw. And immediately, and the chapter ends with this, uh, they run off to tell his mother, Monica, and she is overjoyed with it. She weeps. She's overjoyed with the stuff that finally, after this long, that what she had prayed for, that her son would be converted, has finally, finally happened. And the rest of the story goes on about, he has not, and, and he says uh, later in, in a letter about his conversion, I was not converted to perfect faith. I was not converted to full knowledge of the faith. But he says, conversions don't need to be perfect in that sense. We still will grow. We will still evolve. We will still learn. And he says that was his experience. It wasn't a one minute in which he suddenly became a perfect Christian. It was a transformative moment which began a new journey. But this time, his journey was in Christ. So I want to just leave it there because I know people will, some people want to get on um, and we'll probably wrap up by quarter past. But I, I, I tell that story to start our discussion of conversion. I hope, you know, something in what Augustus tells can lead us into a conversation about this vital subject of the faith. Thank you. Yes. Yes, Sue.
what is it that in Ambrose's speech to the sermon? There, there are a couple of things. Um, he preaches on essentially uh, on on Christ uh, and what he what he and he pers and he persuades because Augustine has the church world in which Augustine's living in is it is very divided at that point. There is all, there are groups that are called in the church of the Donatists who hold to one view of what. Christianity is, it's divided into various groups. And even and when he was a Manichee, he still believed that this was reconcilable with, with Christian faith, that it was a form of Christianity. What um, Ambrose sermon is basically on the sacrifice of Christ, the nature of God, and the nature of the church, crucially, is that he that's the moment when Augustine is persuaded that the true path is towards what's called the Orthodox. Christianity, the Catholic Church, and that's in, in he's persuaded that what Ambrose is saying about God, Christ, and the Spirit, the Trinity, about the nature of Christ's sacrifice, and about the nature of the Church, he's persuaded that that's the form of Christianity that he needs to follow. Okay. Does he say why? What he says is that he believes Ambrose, I mean, Ambrose is, of course, one of the great preachers of early Christianity. He's completely persuaded by Ambrose's holiness and also his powers of, of, of teaching. He, he simply is mesmerized by Ambrose's preaching, and he finds it fully persuasive. So, so Ambrose is, is, I mean, the sermons of Ambrose, which we still have, are regarded as kind of some of the great literary theological pastoral works of, of early Christianity. And Augustine talks about, you know, listening to him in Milan, and he's just transfixed by this. It's interesting, all the way through, there are certain, uh, Augustine as a professional rhetorician himself is very taken by people who are good speakers. And he's attracted to the figure of Manu, the Manichaean, because he was a very charismatic figure. He's attracted to people who are, are, are very good speakers. And he talks about Ambrose's teaching. He says it just it went right through him. thinking forward to um, John Bunyan or some of the uh, women writers or even to sort of uh, to C.S. Lewis. Um, in, in some ways, Augustine's conversion story becomes a model for other people because it's very intentionally seen in the book. Because, and what's, what's taken as a kind of model for many people is this sense of you have to lose yourself. That if you are going, you know, th that we meet God by losing ourselves, and that becomes a uh, that you know, as Augustine says, it's not I but you. And this, and I think what's classic in Augustine's story, which we'll see, I'm just thinking of John Bunyan at the moment, you know, another person who had worldly ambitions. It's this this sense of letting go of what it is that makes us resist God. And then 
that, uh, that and also what I think is strong is that, is that in, in these conversion stories, God is the beginning and the end. God is the author of the story. So although they, they, tell, they talk about their lives, ultimately they have to, the conversion happens when they recognize that it is God, you know, it is Christ who is acting in them that makes the conversion. They're not making it happen. It's not their ambition. Even Augustine's desire to is, is not uh, enough. It is, he has to put aside his own will for the will of God to serve him. So I think there's, there's this sense of kind of letting go of ourselves and what we want and what we expect and what we you know, think God should do to a kind of acceptance, a kind of receiving. Um, and that seems to be the crucial moment of, of, of transformation. giving thanks for his mother who raised him as a, as a Christian, who prayed with him, who had him go to instruction in the church, and then, you know, he was the son that wandered away. And, you know, and, 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 and so there's this powerful sense, and you were talking about common themes, I think one other one we will see in just the one you raised here, there's this powerful theme of kind of the providence of God. That this isn't happening on our time. It's happening on God's and, and I think one of the things that happens in, in, in the story, in the confessions, is the uh, recognition that it, it happens when God makes it happen. It, we can't sort of force the agenda. We can't make it happen. The, and, and then they see, and as you remember that Augustine's writing this 13 years after his conversion, it's famous Bunyan, they all write, and famous C.S. Lewis, they're all, they all write post-conversion accounts of it. So, but what they see is how God has been working in their lives all along. And they may feel like they just discovered that. But then suddenly their whole life makes sense. Even when they were wandering away or rejecting God or whatever they were doing, uh, or doing things they shouldn't have been doing, uh, all those, their story makes sense. So the conversion kind of gives meaning to the whole of their lives. Even the part where they were kind of wandering from, from, from God. So it's like the whole person is made. Your whole story is, is now a story. So the con I think one of the things, and again, this is the conversion isn't just a single moment. Conversion is the whole life. And it's ongoing. And it's been your backstory, but it's now also your story going forward. And, and so it's not just that one moment. It's not just when he hears the, the child say, take and read. That's not the, that's not the, that's the beginning of a new journey. Sorry, I'm not that, okay.
they may not know where they are, and we don't know where they are. His mother, mother, of course, is a Christian, uh, and so she's, and in book nine, which is the book, actually, the story of the conversion, she actually dies, um, but she has this vision uh, with her. She is, she is the most power, you know, human, in human terms, she is the most powerful influence on him, and it, you know, it's deeply moving that when he's converted, the, you know, this, this beautiful relationship of a, of a, a mother and a but his friends, that's, you know, that's really important. His friends play a crucial role all the way through. And it's, you know, when he's converted in that moment in the garden, his close and most devoted friend, Alypius, who's, who was once his student but now has become his friend, is converted alongside him. And, and friendship is a very strong theme, uh, not just his, his friends, you know, but he talks about the whole, the, this conversion in terms of winning or receiving the friendship of Christ. So friendship is a really important uh, theme, and the characters of his friends um, are, are very important in this in this, in this story. Yes, yes, yeah. 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 Very early, very early. So already, I mean, he's growing up in the fourth century, but African Christianity is already. I mean, we don't know because so much of it was destroyed. So it's, it's hard to know, but in the areas of, of Carthage, um, there are Christian communities, possibly within the first uh, century, um, but we don't know uh, exactly uh, when. But there is ev some evidence of Christian communities, certainly from Egypt, but across to uh, some of the earliest Christian communities are actually North African, and that's something that's, that's forgotten, is that uh, this whole world of African Christianity, which of course largely, I mean, Augustine dies in 1430 as his city of Hippo is being sieged to thieves, um, and he's the bishop, but with the, then with the, with the Muslim conquest, almost all of that disappears. But, but African Christianity, I mean, Africa, Carthage was, was one of the great centers of, of Christianity, so he, he's, not, he's not from a, a, a backwater. There's a long tradition of great fathers of the African.